Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode 107. We'd like to share our Sunday worship service for March 3rd, 2019. The title is, It's Like a Castle. And it is the ninth and final in the series, It's Like This. The universe is conspiring for your happiness, health, and success. Our scripture today is John 14, 2. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Now, I really wanted to talk about that piece of scripture because it is actually a very challenging part of the Bible. It doesn't sound like it, does it? But it's a challenging part of the Bible. It's a challenging piece of scripture because it's been used for some weird stuff, to use the technical terminology. As always, the scripture itself is not complicated, but rather what people do with the scripture can get us into trouble. The balance is, do you use love to interpret scripture or do you use scripture to interpret your love? And if you start from a spiritual place, if you start from a loving place, issues like translation and usage become a little bit more easy to get to. That idea that I go to prepare a place for you is often used to illustrate what I call someday theology. Not Sunday, someday theology. You know the idea that, well, someday it's going to work out. Someday it'll happen. You know, I used to say to my kids, you know, they'd ask me for something. Can we get that toy? Can we go get ice cream? Can we have that thing happen? And I would say, well, we'll see. If you've ever been a parent, you know the power of we'll see. But my children had a meeting when they were very small, and Raina came to me because she's the attorney of the group of them. My client would like to say this and that and the other. Raina came to me and she said, you know, we think we'll see means never. And they were right. There's a danger in someday because someday means is it now? And if I tell you, you know what, put up with a miserable life because someday I am not giving you the power that you need, the keys that you need, the strength that you need to fix something now. And fixing things only happens now. It doesn't happen someday. And if you and me and us Christians, us people of the world are going to take our power back, we've got to get out of someday and get into Sunday. Something has got to happen a little bit differently. There are so many people that have been taught to just put up with a miserable life with the idea that, you know, someday Jesus is going to prepare a place for me, like he works at a hotel. Wouldn't it be great to get turned down service from Jesus? What kind of chocolate would he put on the pillow? It'd be amazing. And you call housekeeping, you know, I asked for one loaf of bread. There's like 5,000 in here, and don't get me started on the fish. Enough. But there's a problem with that someday idea. If you want to disempower someone, teach them about we'll see and someday. If you want to keep them needing you, teach them about someday. But if you want to change the world, something different has to happen. Ask yourself in your own thinking, in the way that you deal with your job, your relationships, your situations, how much of someday am I putting up with? Someday I'll win the lottery. Someday I can stop being miserable. Someday I'll fall in love. It's nice to have hopes and dreams. I want you to be dedicated dreamers. But man, oh man, make sure your someday isn't all you think about because someday isn't now. That's the important thing to think about. Someday just isn't now. 
And when you think about the ministry of Jesus Christ, he's a ministry of right now, isn't it? Over and over again, today you will be with me in paradise. Thy kingdom come, the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. Go do a thing right now, always and eternally. The mission, the ministry of Jesus Christ is right now. So is it possible that he wasn't saying, okay, right now, right now, right now. Oh, wait a minute, I go to prepare a place for you. Just hold on. I'm telling you that that piece of scripture that is so often used to teach people about someday is actually anything but. Think about what he's really saying there. Jesus is saying, guys, don't worry about where you're going to end up. In my father's house, how many mansions, how many dwelling places, how many places to land? Jesus is saying, stop worrying about tomorrow because no matter where you end up, I've already made it soft for you to land. Stop worrying about how it's going to work out. I'm there already. God is a matter of right now. It's not your job to think about what happens next. Start living now. To misquote Fleetwood Mac, don't start thinking about tomorrow. (laughs) Be where you are. Thank you. I'm glad my wife got the joke. It's good. (laughs) Right now. Right now. Here's the thing. You have a choice in your life between absence and abundance. You have a choice. You can decide that I'm going to live in a way that my good, my love, my truth, my breakthrough, my learning is not here. I don't know where it is. Someday, somewhere, I'm going to be apart from it. I live in absence. Or I can live in the idea of abundance. And I don't know where it is, but it's here. I don't know how it's going to work out, but that's not my job. I'm just in the middle of it. Somehow, there's magic happening. You can live in absence or you can live in abundance. And here's the thing. No matter what you choose, (laughs) you'll be right. It's true. Because if you spend your life in the the, the behavioral equivalent of call waiting, going, you know, I don't know what's going on, but something better is going to happen. And I'm looking at my phone because whatever's happening here is not worth my attention. I'm only with this person I'm with until Mr. and Mrs. Wright comes along. I got one foot out the door and my bag's half-packed in my whole life. If you live that way, you will prove yourself right because you're not going to have any fun. You're not going to have any learning where you are. But if you change your mind and say, wait a minute, I don't know how all of this works, but I am in the presence of something magical. There's something big going on here. People no different than me have been in situations no different than mine and come up with breakthroughs, inventions, revolutions, new ideas, true love. What do they got that I ain't got? Maybe it's a matter of just deciding to be where I am. Maybe it's just that simple. It's all about simplicity. It's all about being like a little kid. If you've ever been a a parent or a caretaker, a, a godparent, an uncle, an aunt, a nursery worker, whatever it is, if you've ever been around a kid, you know that moment when you're trying to negotiate with a child to get him to clean something or they want ice cream or anything. And the kid, if, if you've ever been around a kid, you know this moment where the kid knows that they have won. They know they got you. You know that moment? And the kid's whole body language just changes because they know it's over. Maybe you don't know yet and you've got more cards to play, but it's over. They won. They got you. Now, uh, cynically, you can say it's because the kid will go to places that you won't go. But the truth is it's because they know that you love them and they are just leaning on it. They got you. And it's a beautiful moment. And I want you to know that you're allowed to live that way in your life. 
I've heard other parents say, you know, I just don't want them to take my love for granted. I want them to respect me, and I'm going to make them respect me, and we're going to do these things, and they're going to pay up, so to speak, emotionally. I'm going to make them respect me. I don't want them to take my love for granted. Well, i got to tell you something, man. Uh, one of the truest things about me is that I'm a dad. I love those kids. And if anything else goes away, I want them to take my love for granted because I have granted it. I want them to wear it like armor in a world that can seem uncertain. I want them to know that one thing. Yeah, take it for granted. I don't need you to earn my respect. And as a result, because I really try to live that way with my babies, I have always felt respected. Sure, we have arguments and stuff and growing up to do because everybody does. But the moment I take it off the table that you've got to earn my love, love can happen. Something amazing happens when we stop treating love like a commodity that you can earn and trade and send. Stop sending people love, just love them. Stop trying to earn my love. Just love me or don't. But let's move on, you know? If I feel that way about my kids and I see people nodding their heads because you feel that way about somebody, take my love for granted for Pete's sake because that's all I got to give. If I feel that way, if you feel that way, don't you think that God feels that way about you? Maybe it's time to take that love for granted. Stop worrying about whether or not God loves us and instead live in that love and start to make a difference in our lives. Because here's the thing. Trust and growth go hand in hand. Kids are born trusting. They're not born afraid. And because they trust, they learn and put that a different way. When you're freaked out, stressed out, when you don't trust that everything's okay, when you are having that kind of a panic attack moment, you're not learning. Biologically, your brain is not forming memories because you're in fight or flight mode. Spiritually, you're not letting anything in because you're freaked out about everything that might happen. When you don't trust, you don't learn. You don't grow. Part of that whole be as a little child thing means trust, even when it's hard. Trust, because to the degree that you trust, you will grow. Now, this is a big deal because there are so many quote-unquote success methods that say don't take anything for granted and go out there and earn the world and you don't know what's going to happen next and you got to fight for it and you can't trust anything. You've read those books. You've been to those seminars. And you know what? You can use those techniques to make a lot of money and reach the top of the corporate ladder, but you'll be the same schmuck you were when you started because you didn't learn anything. You just have more money in the bank. And all we need is more people with money and power that don't have any sense. It's time to lead with our hearts and trust something. But you and I get to decide where we're going to live. That's what it comes down to. My daughter shared with me a story about Salvador Dali, and I love that because this used to be the Dali Museum, as some of you know, so we're kind of in his house. And it's a Disney story. Salvador Dali went to work with the original Disney animators to make a movie. The movie didn't work out because I think anything that he would have done would have given kids nightmares, but that's a separate issue. <laughs> Imagine that. Now I want to see it, but back then. Anyway... This uh, Disney animator wrote this story. He said, I went to work with Salvador Dali, and I went into the room with him. 
And I saw that he was really upset. He'd just gotten news from back home, from the town in Spain where he lived. And he'd gotten this news, and he was visibly upset by it. And he was pacing the floor, and he didn't know what to do. And he was really angry and upset, and the whole thing. And the animator just kind of, I'm going to let him be Salvador Dali for a minute. Because I can't help him. And he came back 45 minutes later. And Salvador Dali was still pacing the floor, but now he was delighted. He had a great idea, this amazing breakthrough, and he wanted to share it with somebody. And so the Disney animator said, okay, I'll give what just happened. What did I just see? And Dali said, you know, I grew up in this little town in Spain, and there's a castle. And even when I was a little boy, I dreamed that someday I would live in that castle. I thought about it all the time. I dreamed about it all the time. It was my dream. And the castle came up for sale. But before I, and now I'm Salvador Dali. I got some money. I can make this happen. But before I could buy it, this, this sportsman, this hunter guy, I think it might have been Jimmy John, bought the, bought the castle out from under me. So the dream, you know, I, I was so upset for a while. Well, exactly 45 minutes is how long Salvador Dali was upset. I was so upset, it just, I felt like the dream was gone. But then I realized... Here is the Salvador Dali statement. He used to say this all the time. I am Salvador Dali, and if it happens to me, it must be good. He used to say that all the time. Think about that. Maybe try it on. If you're a child of God, what are you entitled to? But anyway, he said, I realize that he's just going to prepare it for me. He doesn't know it yet. But as soon as I get back home to Spain, I'm going to go and I'm going to paint a beautiful mural in his castle because it's really mine. He just doesn't know it yet. And the thing is, it's an old castle. He's going to have to fix up the kitchen and the bathroom and put a new road in. I would have had to do those things. I don't want to do those things. He's going to do them for me. And sooner or later, he'll get tired of living in that place, and he'll sell it to me, and it will be mine, and I won't have had to do all of those things. This is perfect. The timing is beautiful. And as time went on, that's exactly what happened. He sold it to him for nothing, and if you look it up, you can Google it now. Don't Google it right now, but you can look it up. And it is a museum. Salvador Dali lived there, and the mural is there, and it's beautiful, and the fixtures in the bathroom are exquisite. Because that's how it works when you decide to see like an artist. Maybe the data of your life isn't important. Maybe it's not about what fits into your eyes, and maybe it's about what you can see with your heart. In that castle... There are radiators because it gets cold. If you've ever been up north, you know what a radiator is. <laughs> a funny Florida thing to have to say. But there are radiators in the castle. Radiators are not pretty. And so they put these amazing, beautiful metal screens over the radiators. And you wouldn't even know that they're there. They're artistic and beautiful. And on each one of the radiators, you can see a picture of this on the internet. On each one of the radiators, Salvador Dali has painted a beautiful trompe l'oeil. You know, it fools the eye. It's photorealistic. A beautiful painting over each of the radiator covers of a radiator. <laughs> Look, whether or not you like his art, you got to like the style. And you got to admire that here is a person who has dedicated his life to asking you to ask the question, what is really important? What's really real? Because here's the thing. God is outside of time and space. For God, it's always right now. So what are you worried about? I'll put that another way. If you spend all your time worrying about how things are going to go in the future, or you spend all your time worrying about that thing that happened in the past, it takes you out of the right now. And right now is the one and only place where you have dominion. Right now is the one and only place where you can make a difference. 
What do you and God have in common? If you're a child of God made in the image and after the likeness, maybe it's time to get into the right now because for God, it's always right now. Ask yourself, what are you made for? Early in the days of computers, they, they started to worry about this idea of artificial intelligence and what if computers ever got smarter than us? If you've ever tried to operate Windows, you know that will never happen. But anyway... <laughs> People worried about it, and so they said, you know, well, let's come up with a test. And if, if a computer can pass this test, we'll know that they started to get smart. And originally the idea was, we'll teach a computer how to play chess. You know about this. If a computer can beat a human being at chess, we'll know that there's been kind of a breakthrough. And so for years, people would design computers and try to do it, and they couldn't beat anybody. And finally, IBM came up with this computer called Deep Blue, and Deep Blue was designed just to play chess. And Deep Blue beat Garry Kasparov, who was the world grandmaster at chess, in a regulation game, no bending of the rules. And Kasparov said, he said, when I lost, I realized that everything had changed. Because people felt that chess was a, a, a game that involved creativity and inspiration and insight, and you had to know the opponent, and you had to figure out what they had to do, and you had to improvise, and it felt very, very human. And so for a computer to do that meant something. And yet, when we look back now, we realize that the computer cheated. It cheated. And now it followed the rules and all of that, but it was never about being creative. It was never about improvising. Computers can't do that. You can't program passion. Instead, it was just that the computer had a big enough engine, a big enough, enough muscle to figure out all of the possible combinations, and it becomes a boring uh, matter of mathematical equations, where it could figure out all the possible moves in a second and do the next one. It wasn't anything human. It was an impression of humanity. Noam Chomsky, one of my favorite thinkers, said, it's no more surprising that a computer beat a human at chess than it would be a surprise that a human would lose a weightlifting competition with a forklift. Just a matter of building a big enough machine. Maybe, here's the point, humans are designed for something else. A few years later, because they weren't uh, happy with how much they've upset people with that, IBM developed a computer that could beat uh, a guy at Jeopardy. But that's not a surprise either. You can't beat Wikipedia at trivia. But once again, this is important. Ask yourself, what are you designed for? Really? Because there's a lot of people trying to do something that they weren't built to do, and that's exactly why they're miserable. You're trying to do something that you weren't built to do. How many times do you read a book that's like, here's how to learn all of the rules. Here's how to decode the opposite sex. Here's how to crack the code and how to talk your way out of a parking ticket or get a job or, or meet somebody or become a success. How many books are about memorizing the rules? Hmm. You know what? None of them scratch the itch because you can teach a computer to memorize the rules. And if you have ever really been in that moment where you fall in love, where you have a spiritual breakthrough, where something actually matters, it's not a matter of cramming in information. If anything, it's a matter of opening up. Ask yourself, am I trying to do something that a computer could do better than me? Then why am I doing it? Sooner or later, each of us comes to a place that is uniquely human, that is uniquely spiritual, it is a matter of seeing with your heart and not with your eyes. When my family first moved here, I was seven, and we lived in Iowa. 
So, you know, we needed to move here. <laughs> I was a little kid, and I, I was scared, like you are when you move and you don't understand anything about how it works in logistics. I knew I had to say goodbye to all of my friends, my lifelong friends at seven years old. I had to say goodbye to the alma mater, you know, all of that stuff. But, it, you know, when you're that age, it's a big thing. And I'll admit, I had personal reasons with stuff within my own family where I just didn't know which end was up. And there was a really feeling of just everything is upside down. And, and I was scared. And I was kind of a nervous little guy anyway. And it just I really felt like everything was just, just gone. And yet in the middle of that, there was a little bit of hope that maybe it was going to work out. I mean, it was a new chance to do things differently. And all I knew about Florida was that Mickey Mouse was close I'll take it. And in the house that we had rented to, uh, so that my parents could take over a church here in St. Pete, in the house that we had rented, there was uh, an intercom system. I'd never seen anything like it. There were speakers in all the bedrooms. And you've seen those sometimes. You know, they can, hey, come to dinner, like anybody in my family cooked. Hey, come to dinner. But one of the cool things was that you could also play the radio through all of the speakers. And I remember this. I was seven. And I was unpacking my little bags and putting socks in a drawer and doing the stuff that you do. And I had an incredible spiritual revelation. At seven years old, I heard the voice of the divine. It was Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> now listen, I'm not a huge Jimmy Buffett fan. I, I, just, uh, I just don't drink that much. But anyway... It was a song called Volcano. And if you know the lyrics of the song, the, Jimmy Buffett is saying, everything, the ground is disappearing under my feet. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where I'm going to go. The whole world is just upside down for me, and yet I'm going to be okay, because I'm going to be me. When you're open to spiritual messages, you will get them. They will just come out of the walls. And I remember at seven years old going, well, <laughs> okay. I'll give it a shot. I can freak out even more, or I can be okay. And it took me back to that little childlike place where you realize that, you know what, I can't know everything, but because I can't know everything, I'm going to be okay. There's this moment in the book of Job where Job is talking to God and Job is arguing with God, and he says, you know what, how come this and that and the other, and why can't you prove this to me? And God basically says, do you know who you're talking to? Do you have any idea how complicated the universe is or your nervous system? Do you know how big this is? You can't fit this between your ears. This is not something you can teach a computer to do. This isn't a forklift situation. The universe, life, spirit is too big. Your job is not to know all of this stuff. The religions of the world have a lot that they don't share in common. It's not the case that all religions say the same thing. Different religions say different things, and that's okay. Be on a path. Find a path that works for you. But although I think all paths lead to the same place, they're different paths. But it's amazing when you find something that they do have in common. And as it turns out, every religious tradition, from the big official ones you know about to the little tribal ones that only appear in, in small places in the world, they all have a story, or more than one story, about how God or the divine or whatever that tradition believes in comes to them and says, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> Thank you very much, little Jack Nicholson for you. I'll be here all week. But one way or the other, there's that universal story where the divine says, this is too big for you. Stop trying to figure it out and just try to be. 
When love is not a commodity, but love is just something that you are, life works better. Stop trying to see all of it with your material eyes and start trying to feel it with your heart. That's why in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones says, Marion, shut your eyes. That's why in Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi tells Luke Skywalker to put down the blast shield so he can't see. That's why in every single love story, when true love's first kiss happens, they close their eyes. Because love is too big. Art is too big. Beauty is too big. God is too big. Stop trying to master this and learn how to let it go. Now I know that's difficult because people have got stuff they want to fix and there's pressure to do it right. But here's the thing that I want everybody to remember if you don't hear anything else I say today. God cannot fix what you cannot release. God cannot fix what you cannot release. In order for it to be fixed, you have to let it go. In trust, just like a child. You and I will each come to a moment where we see with our hearts. You and I will each come to a moment where we realize that life is not about square pegs and round holes anymore. Where we start to do the thing that we were designed for. You and I were built for inspiration and for love. You and I were built to take God's love for granted because it has been granted. You and I were built to fix whatever needs to be fixed. But you do it not through muscle, but through love. It's time for you to live a different kind of life. It's time for you to start now. It's time for you to be free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. This is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening to that Sunday lesson, and I want to thank you for being part of our virtual church family. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing at Water and Stone Church, the easiest thing to do is go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. There's all kinds of amazing content. There's blog posts and videos and other episodes of this podcast and just all kinds of great things. And especially there's a calendar of events. We're always doing amazing uh, service projects in the community, all kinds of classes and services. Go to our website and find out how you can be a part of it. You can also text I am ready to 84576. That's all one word, I A M R E A D Y to 84576. It's a great way to get a once a week message about what we're up to. That's how we do our newsletter and special events and stuff like that. It's a great way to be in the loop. This podcast and everything that we do at Water and Stone is supported by you. And what that means is there's a lot of little things you can do to help us keep the lights on around here. If you go to the website, once again, waterandstonechurch.com, you can find out how to give electronically. You can find out how to shop at Amazon in such a way that benefits the church at no extra cost to you. Really and truly, though, the best way to support what we're doing is to help spread the word. Repost this. Tweet it. Like it on Facebook. Find our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. We've got two amazing YouTube channels. Go find those and like and subscribe and share. That's huge for us. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes or whatever, please give us a five-star review. That really helps as well. But at the end of the day, there's nothing like being there with us in person. Come join us at 11 a.m. every Sunday at the beautiful Harbor Hall. That's part of the University of South Florida's St. Pete campus. The street address is 1000 
3rd Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. Every Sunday at 11 a.m., there is a sense of family, a feeling of community, an uplifting lesson, music like you've never heard anywhere, and a life-changing message. It's time for a new life for you and a new world for all of us.